They're best spread out in the field. When they are gathered up, they only make a stink and scorch the earth. It would appear that October is the month of theological conferences for pastors. It's a brief window of time before Advent and Christmas, but after the early days of autumn when kids go back to school and the church boosts up its fall programming. And so, yeah, I would, was traveling quite a bit in October, going to two conferences. This past week, I was in La Quinta, California, near Palm Desert, with church leaders from throughout California. The theme was grief, a real light and refreshing topic, huh? The conference finally made sense to me at the very end at our closing worship. Bishop Brenda Boss preached the sermon. She's the bishop in the L.A. area. And she had her sermon translated into Spanish, kind of like what we did during the summer and we do at 11 o'clock. She preached on grief. But when the translator... Pastora Maria translated the word grief into Spanish. She used the word duelo. I didn't know that. It was a new one for me. Over and over again, I heard the word duelo, which means grief, but it more specifically means pain. In Spanish, dolor means pain, and duelo is another form of that word. That was supremely helpful to me because often when I think of grief, I have a sort of abstract notion in my mind. It's not that specific. It's just the set of feelings and processes a person goes through after they lose someone they love, either by death or they move away or a divorce. But to hear it in Spanish called duelo made it more specific, pain. Grief is pain. It's fair to say that we have experienced and are even still feeling duelo, grief, and the pain that comes with it. We have lost people, relationships, and it hurts to the innermost recesses of our soul. Or then again, maybe it doesn't. The problem with painful grief is that it can be so overwhelmingly painful that we can do all kinds of crazy things to try to avoid it. We as human beings have discovered and curated a panoply of devices to temporarily distract us from the awful pain of loss. You know what they are. But a short list would include money, work, shopping, alcohol, drugs, sex, entertainment, religion. Honestly, religion may be one of the greatest culprits of anesthetizing people from their pain. Marx said that religion was the opiate of the masses. But he wasn't the only one. Dietrich Bonhoeffer also criticized the church for the same thing. During the rise of the Third Reich and Hitler, a super solid majority of both Catholic and Lutheran leaders quietly supported the Fuhrer. They didn't criticize or resist. 
Instead, many just tried to comfort people and relieve them of their pain rather than outright resisting the injustice. Bonhoeffer called this cheap grace in his book, The Cost of Discipleship. Cheap grace relieves us of our duty to strive and sacrifice for what is right. It assuages guilt and smothers us with the false hope that, yeah, God will come and fix everything. If cheap grace is on one hand, on the other hand, you have costly grace. Bonhoeffer argued for costly grace, which takes the cross of Jesus as the center of our faith. And so every human being which suffers, we must see as being close to the heart of God. And they demand our care, respect, and efforts to resist the things that are hurting them and the things that destroy life. Costly grace means feeling pain, not just looking the other way or distracting ourselves with cheap promises of easy resurrection. When you feel pain, you are actually feeling God's grace. Grace makes all of creation sacred. You are sacred. And so are the people in your life. When you feel pain, you are alive to the holiness of these things. We are in real trouble when we stop caring and we stop feeling when we cut ourselves off from others and excuse their suffering as merited because they're not good people. The Pharisee in the parable this morning, that's what his problem is. He's stuck trying to avoid the pain of his life. He looks with contempt on the tax collector and he judges him because that's easier than sympathizing with him. And he has lots of good reasons to do that. I mean, today, we all love and respect the IRS, of course, right? Ha, ha, ha. But in Jesus' day, in Jesus' day, a tax collector not only collected taxes, but they sent them to a different country, home. So most of that revenue didn't stay local at all. And furthermore, a tax collector paid themselves by collecting a little extra from everybody and skimming as much as they could for themselves. So there were good reasons to not like a tax collector. But if you believe in grace, then you believe that all people are sacred and loved by God, especially our enemies. The tax collector in this moment is justified because in his soul, he accepts God's grace. He's coming to terms with the fact that he has exploited not just disposable people, but he has made bereft his own brothers and sisters. And so his heart is breaking. And so he is finally justified because he finally has faith, faith that God loves every single human being. There are no disposable people. So he leaves the temple determined to change his life radically. Faith without struggle is dead. The tax collector is struggling to do right by people, so he is alive with faith. Today, at Sunday School, we will continue studying Dietrich Bonhoeffer's book, Life Together, and we'll actually have the books today. 
In the first chapter called Community, we will read about Bonhoeffer criticizing retreats and theological conferences. He says, nothing's more toxic to faith than going on a short-term gathering with other Christians and feeling happy and uplifted. True community is to be with the very people you at times have a hard time with. So let us modify our original refrain. It's not just pastors, but we can be sure to say all Christians, we are like manure. We are meant to be spread out in the field, doing good work. We gather together briefly to be nourished, to be fed, and then we're sent and spread out to do good in the world, in God's fields. Speaking of fields, uh, this past Friday night, I had the privilege of going to the Upland High School homecoming football game. Our daughter, Rebecca, who's in eighth grade at Pioneer Junior High, their band was invited to march alongside the Highlanders marching band and regiment for the homecoming football game. So there we were on Friday night. It was pretty cool, actually. The cheerleaders, a lot of cheerleaders standing at attention. The football team leaping with vigor. The students in the bleachers were dancing with glee. And the parents and grandparents and boosters cheered with pride. A whole host of staff zoomed around on electric carts making everything happen. The opposing team from Chino Hills made the whole thing worthwhile. When I saw this old tradition unfold anew for this new generation of children, I was comforted and I had hope. Despite everything we've been through and all the challenges we face, it gives us hope to know that the children, the children are okay. They're laughing, crying, arguing, flirting, running, and showing us that there is a future. They matter. This world matters, and it is worth living. It is worth struggling for. This is the world into which you are sent to be life-giving, leaven, hope, joy in God's fields. Amen. We sing our hymn of the day, The Heavens Tell of Your Creative Glory. Please stand as you're able. Creation, all the earth proclaim 
exalted. So help us, Creator, O God, in sustaining the world you made and in nurturing nature, your gift that keeps us alive. So help us, Creator, O all, in sustaining the world you made and in nurturing nature, your gift that keeps us so. So help us, Creator of all. So help us, Creator of all, in sustaining the world you made and in nurturing nature, your gift that keeps us alive. So help us, Creator of all, in sustaining the world you made and in nurturing nature, your gift that keeps us alive. The Apostles' Creed. With the whole church, let us confess our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. In gratitude and humility, let us join together in prayer on behalf of all of God's creation. God of mercy, you are in the midst of us, and we are called by your name. Inspire your church to serve and love all people with the unceasing grace you extend to us. Hear us, O God. Your mercy, mercy is, is great. great. God of all creation, you formed a world where even the sparrow finds a home. Preserve the beauty and diversity of all creatures with whom we share the earth. Lead us to protect all living things. Hear us, O God. Your mercy, mercy is great. God of peace, you are an ever-present help in time of trouble. Rescue families and nations torn apart by violence and warfare. Unite all people toward common goals of reconciliation and peace for every person. Hear us, O God. Your, Your mercy, mercy is great. God of hope, you stand.